Have you ever been sent on an errand, yet not been expected to fulfill the task you were sent out on? Anybody ever been asked to do something, but you didn't have to complete the task? No. Nobody ever gets sent on an errand that they're not expected to complete the task on. When we're sent to do something, the sender always expects us to return with the task completed. Okay, It's just a no-brainer of life. So the next question is this. How many of you as kids were sent out to the convenience store to buy stuff for your parents? Just walk down to the store and get stuff for your parents. Right? Those of you who are older. Right? Most of you, if you're younger, that's an unusual thing for you, by the way, especially if you live in the city. Nobody lets their kids walk around in the city nowadays. You know? Like you can, you can go three houses down, don't go anywhere else. Right? So, uh, but back in the day... When I was around about 10 years old, living in the south side of Johannesburg, right? Joburg's a little bit like LA. It can get rough sometimes, okay? So anyway, and I lived in one of those neighborhoods. Not too bad, but you know, kind of a blue-collar type neighborhood. Anyway, I used to get sent to the store all the time to buy stuff for my folks. Believe it or not, it was mostly for a pack of cigarettes and milk, right? So, um, and they actually sold me the cigarettes. Ten-year-old kid walking into the store, right? We just sell me the cigarettes, no questions asked. That was the 80s, right? Those of you who didn't grow up in the 80s, you're missing out because, like, there were hardly any rules, okay? They just, they just sent kids out to do stuff and kind of expected us to come back alive, right? And I came back alive every time, right? But anyway, that's... Uh, you know, my parents knew them and all that kind of stuff. So, different era. You got younger. You got younger guys must start. But anyway, there you are. You're stuck in the, the the new millennium where you know we don't go anywhere unless we're in a big steel cage and uh, protected with lots of pillows and stuff. But there we go. Anyway, on one occasion, my mom gave me ten rand. Rand is the currency of South Africa, um, and at that time, it's about the equivalent of giving me a twenty dollar bill, right? So I had like. Give me 20 bucks because she didn't have any change in her pocket. Put that 20 bucks in my pocket and she sent me off to the corner shop to get some milk and cigarettes probably. Right? Definitely cigarettes. Right? She doesn't smoke now. She's quit. Praise God. Okay? It's all good. Okay? Anyway, so off I went, toddled up to the store, up the street. And when I got to the store and slipped my hand into the pocket to bring out the 10 bucks, Believe it or not, in South Africa, we call our currency bucks as well. But we actually have bucks in South Africa. We have the spring buck. Anyway, so I reached in my pocket to get my 10 bucks out, only to find that it wasn't there. It was gone, right? Panic set in, right? Back in the day, you know, $20 bill, 10 rand, it was a lot of money. So I do the quick duck and weave down, down, down the sidewalk, looking everywhere to see where this money is, to see if I could find it on the floor. But you know, if you drop money on the floor in Africa, it doesn't stay there for long, right? Like anywhere else, really. It got picked up. Somebody must have found it. It was their lucky day, my bad day, okay? And so empty-handed, I had to do the walk of shame back to the house, you know, with no milk, no money, and no mood-calming cigarettes, right? And so mom was not impressed, Okay? Uh, I don't know if I got the slipper that day. Mom did use the slipper. But uh, anyway, so I went on a journey. I was sent on a mission, and I lost the means to fulfill my purpose. I lost the cash, came back home empty-handed to the wrath of my parents. 
but I'm alive today, so it couldn't have been that bad. We as the church are a sent people. You and me, followers of Jesus, we've been sent on a mission. Thankfully, not to get celestial cigarettes or anything like that. But as we go, as we head out on that mission, we need to do our best not to return to our Heavenly Father empty-handed. And today, I'm going to be looking at how we can go about doing that. How do we go about being sent, but, but remaining resourced for the task at hand? So uh, pray with me before I get into our reading today. Father, we thank you that you give us all that we need. And so this morning, as we begin to consider uh, this whole notion that we're a sent people, would you begin to reveal stuff to us? Would you reveal to us what it is you want each one of us individually to do? Who have you sent us to? What, what have you laid on our hearts? What gifts have you given us? How have you, how have you resourced us to make a difference where we are and, and to be representatives of you in that place? Would you soften our hearts to be open to, to whatever you might ask of us, to be, to be people who say yes to you, Lord? And this morning as well, I pray you guide my words and let them be from you and anything not of you be forgotten today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open up to John chapter 20. Otherwise, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Right. So this is uh, just after the crucifixion, uh, just after Jesus has been buried, and Mary and has showed up to find an empty tomb. Okay, So this is where we're taking the reading from today, and it says this. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. You know, I don't know if you've ever asked the question, how did she not see it was Jesus, right? I think it's more of the case of, have you ever been somewhere and seen somebody that you were pretty sure they looked exactly like the person, somebody else that you knew, but you just knew it wasn't them because that person was in another state or another city or something like that. You didn't expect it to be them, but there they were stood in front of you, this double, doppelganger, this person that looked just like him, but you just, you just assumed them to be someone else. Maybe it worked that way, I don't know. Anyway, he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are asking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told him uh, that he, sorry, and she told him, she told him that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. 
Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. A few things I want to take out of this passage today, and obviously my first point is this. We are a sent people. We are called to transition from consuming Jesus to being ambassadors for Jesus. Right? This is the challenge for every follower of Jesus. We've got to get to a point where we stop consuming him, he stops becoming our feel-good God, and where we begin to take seriously our role to be his ambassador to all of creation. And you know, the first disciples had to go through the same journey. Just imagine being one of them, being a follower of Jesus back in the day, walking around with him for three years, filled with all sorts of expectations and dreams for the future as you tag along, get healed, see him heal people, and do all the other amazing stuff that he was doing. Then as you're going along, you're flying high, you, you come into Jerusalem one day, he's on a donkey, everybody's singing Hosanna, throwing leaves in front of him. Then all of a sudden, everything comes crashing down. All of a sudden, he's crucified. The Messiah, the king that you thought was going to come and liberate Israel, there he is dying on a cross. And then all of a sudden you start hearing rumors that he's risen again from the dead. And, 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 and things have changed. You're a bit confused. You don't know what's going on. And the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection showed that God was working in mysterious ways and in ways that we just didn't understand. And indeed, as you follow God now and follow Jesus in your everyday life, you probably come across this all the time. And you ask the question, God, what are you doing? What is going on? Why are you allowing this to happen in my life? Or why is my life, I want it to go this way, but it seems the trajectory is headed in this direction. And the fact of the matter is, is his ways are higher than our ways. And we just don't understand what he's up to at times. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 says as much, God says through the prophet, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The fact of the matter is, is God is not South African. God is not Scottish, and he is not American. He is what he is. He does what he does. His ways are mysterious to us, but they are probably, they are really better ways than our ways. Okay? That's just the way it is. And so in this post-resurrection context that we find this passage today, we find that Jesus has been raised to life again and has revealed himself to a number of individuals, and he's begun restoring hope to them and reassuring them of his presence, of God's presence with them. And he begins to speak to them about this new call that they have, a call to build a different type of kingdom, not one that's going to be here on earth that takes the sword to the Romans, but something else, a kingdom that is built on Jesus' resurrection, a kingdom where all people are invited to be God's people. And this presence of the risen Jesus validated this new call and made and still makes all the difference in the life of the follower. And so the resurrection of Jesus is, is, is the starting point. It is of central importance to the follower of Jesus. It's of central importance to the message that we proclaim. When people ask you, you know, why do you follow Jesus? There's lots of reasons why we follow Jesus. Lots of reasons why you follow Jesus. What brought you in? 
What attracted you to Jesus? What kind of keeps you interested? But the fact of the matter is, is of central importance should be this, is he walked, he lived, he made furniture, he died, and he rose again. Because he, and, and he predicted all of that would happen. He was the first to come back from the dead without anybody doing anything to him. And so this is the core of our belief. And so we're sent to go out into the world and, you know, display that in some way through our lives and through our words. And all of us are sent in different ways, right? Because we've all got different gifts. Not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's this. Not everybody's that. And so the question is, is what does sentness look like in your life? Practically, what is it that God's asking you? How is he asking you to make a difference in this world? How is he asking you to reveal this new kingdom in some way? Do you know who you're sent to? You know, do you know where you're meant to be? These are questions we as followers of Jesus should be asking all the time. And so as we go and as we try to get that message out, many followers of Jesus do it in different ways. Many of us focus on a rational approach and try to convince people about Jesus and you know, convince them of the superiority of the Christian faith that you know, following Jesus is really the best way. Even if you look at it logically, you know, it's just the best way to live. And we try to convince them on a rational plane. And you know, there's a place for that. But rational arguments do not change people's hearts. All you have to do is go spend some time on Twitter and Facebook for that. You know, there's lots of people arguing about lots of things. Some people have incredibly irrational arguments, and some people have amazingly rational arguments, but they aren't convincing each other of anything, right? Because there's something called the heart. We, you know, we know where the heart is, but there's, there's this thing, you know, and you all know what we mean when we refer to a person's heart, is it's, that's the thing people listen to. And sometimes that's a very irrational beast, okay? Sometimes it can be rational, but you never know what it's going to do. And so when it comes to the heart, we need to rely on God's Spirit to do that work. Because God's Holy Spirit working in people's hearts is the change agent that brings change to people's lives. We aren't. And our wise and smart words just don't cut it. They don't break into the places where people really live. That, that, that heart where their core beliefs are really driving everything. It's God has to reach in there and touch people. And he can use us to do that, but it really needs to be a work of his Holy Spirit. And so as Jesus is talking to his disciples in that, in that room, and he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And it's so that that continued presence of God can be with his people. And that presence empowers us to display and communicate the message of the kingdom. We display it because that change agent begins to work in us. It begins to change us and begins to shape us into the new creation that God has called us to be. And so people begin to see by our behavior and by our works that something different is going on. They begin to see the work of that change and something in their hearts resonates. And sometimes they ask us to explain that and that's where the opportunity of the words and the communicating of the gospel comes about. But we need that fullness of God. We need that presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, changing us and shaping us. We have to go in the fullness of God when we get sent. Otherwise, we're going with nothing. It's like going to the store with no money in your pocket. And so the mission we are sent on, uh, 
the mission that we're sent to participate in requires the fullness of God. We need to learn to live this life out in God's strength. We have to learn to recharge by being filled with His Spirit. We need to learn to find the rest of Jesus. And I don't mean the other bits of Him. I mean rest. That place where you sit down and, and, and you begin to just rest and, and recharge in your life. Many of us don't do that enough. We see this demonstrated practically for us in the life and ministry of Jesus himself. He continually retreated to prayer and relied on the Holy Spirit. He would often go to a quiet place to be by himself so he could just speak to his Father in heaven and, and just come back to his center, so to say. And, you know, we are called to embody this mission of Jesus. We're called to do things in the same spirit as him. God says to, says to us, come back to me all the time. Remember, it's about you doing it with me. It's about you living life with me. And if you're going to do that, you need to spend time with me so I can recharge you, so that I can renew you, so I can heal you, so that I can continually reveal myself to you in new ways. And as we learn to do that more and more, we begin to allow more of the Spirit's presence to, to access all those little bits of our life that we're scared to let God into. And you know which ones those are. Sometimes you don't. But all of us are like that, us followers of Jesus. We want God, don't we? I was like this in the car yesterday. I was praying, you know, um, and I was just, I was kind of ranting, really. I wasn't, you know, that's prayer too, isn't it? You know, just go read the Psalms. Isn't the Psalms, half the Psalms are just a rant. Ah, you know, people raging to God. And I was like, God, you know, I'm realizing it's it's a long time now since uh, as a nine-year-old kid, I looked to heaven and I said, if you're there, I want to know you. And I was like, I just don't feel like I know you much more than I did then. And I do, but I at sometimes I just feel like I'm back at square one in my faith. I don't know if you ever feel that way. But I was like, Lord, I'm in this gig to know you. You know, I'm not, you know, I obey the rules. I love the rules. They're good. They make my life better. But it's, I'm not about the rules, Lord. I want to know you, Jesus. Father, I want to know your presence in my life. And, 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 and that's what it's about for me. I want to know that rest. I want to know more and more of the Spirit's presence in me. Because I, I want, but I'm always aware of those little things that I'm afraid to let God into. You know, And, and that's what we struggle with. There's these places in our hearts where we're like, Hey, God, I give you everything, but you know, let's forget about Closet B back down here and, you know, this dark alleyway of my life. Just don't ask me about that, Lord. Don't ask me about my attitude problem, if you have one. You know, don't ask me about my pride. Don't ask me about my unforgiveness. Don't forget, ask me about my, my resentment towards such and such. Because we all have those things in us, you know. Somebody we resent, somebody that we just hope is going to maybe, I don't know, get run down by a car one day. But survive. And have a revelation that they need to apologize to us about. But we all have that in us. So maybe you're not as bad as I am. Maybe you're not as evil as me. Right? I don't worry. I don't want anybody to get run over by a car. I'm just using that as an example. But we all have that thing in us. There's something that we're holding on to. That there's just a place in us that we don't want God to get to. And so I'm praying to God about that in the car yesterday. I'm like, Lord, I just, I just want to be the type of person that lets you in. You know, to everything. That isn't afraid to have you wake me up at three in the morning and say, go and pray for such and such, or, you know, get in your car and take groceries to such and such's house, you know? 
I don't want to be the person who's afraid to be inconvenienced by God. You know, because we all know that God loves people. If we give ourselves fully to Him, He might inconvenience us for somebody else's sake. Because He does that. That's a good thing. But sometimes we don't want to be a good thing. Sometimes we just want to watch Netflix. Okay? And so we need to be continually giving ourselves over to to God, to praying to Him, to asking Him to help us open those places to Him so that we have more of His presence in, his, in our lives. And as we do that, you know, our lives begin to carry the fragrance of the kingdom of God. What is that, carrying the fragrance of the kingdom of God? It's basically, you begin to live your life in such a way, you begin to treat people in such a way, that when others are around you, they're intrigued by it. Some people are drawn in and they want to know more. They see something in you. They see that fragrance. They're like, whatever it is that's going on in you, I want that to be going on in me. And they're drawn in by the fragrance of the kingdom. Other people are repelled by it. You know, Even if you're doing everything right and you're a great little follower of Jesus, there will be people who look and you go, I do not like what you're about. There's something in you that is a stench to me and I am backing away. Okay? They're just not ready for the fragrance of the kingdom of God. And you've got to be patient with those. Or, you know, don't give them too much of your joyful self. To those who are drawn in, though, to those who begin to encounter whatever God is doing in your life, you become the very fragrance of life to them. And, you know, that is the privilege, that is the honor, and that is the joy of being sent people. And when you encounter that, when you begin to realize, wow, I'm making the difference in one other person's life. There's something that God is doing in me that is making their life better. That is the joy of the kingdom of God. Okay? And that is what, we, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're sent to do. Just one by one. You know? We're sent to make that difference in other people's lives one by one. To carry the fragrance of God, the fragrance of the kingdom of God to other people who are desperate for it, who are looking for it. And they're out there. And so, to be those sent people, we have to be continually re-centered. We have to be centered back into that place of relationship with God so that we're being changed and transformed, so that we begin to carry that fragrance more and more. We begin to stink of the kingdom, right? We begin to stink of it. Do you want to stink of the kingdom of God, right? It's not really a stink. It, it smells good, you know. There's a famous story in the vineyard. Not famous in the world, but it's famous in the vineyard of John Wimbo, one of our founders. He talked about this a lot. And he said, you know, he was in a good place at some point, following Jesus, doing all that stuff. And he's in the, he's in the line at the airport getting ready to get onto a plane, right? And there's this woman behind him, right? And she kept getting closer to him, right? Creepy close, African close. Remember I told you, Lynette, about living in Africa? You can't have any personal barriers because people just like stand here. Right? This is where it goes, okay? If you ever go on vacation to Africa, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? It's not like it here in the States. Anyway, so she gets, she's getting closer to him in the line, and, and he's like touching close, like this. And John would move forward, and she'd come closer again. And uh, There's two things happening, right? She really wanted to be close to John, or she's desperate to get on the plane. That happens, right? But anyway, so she's getting closer and closer, and eventually just, he just stopped, and he turned around, and he went, it smells good, doesn't it? And she went, what is it? There was something about him. She could physically smell it. And he, was, he didn't think he was a very smell, nice smelling guy. Right? Anyway, 
It was a fragrance of him. And he actually said, shared the gospel with her. Because there was something about him that she, she just had to be near to. It's just one of those amazing Holy Spirit moments. And, you know, he led her to the Lord. And, um, and she could smell, she could actually smell the kingdom on him. I was like, man, I'm such a bad Christian. Nobody's ever done that to me. Okay, people have done that to me in Africa, but not because I smelled good, just because I was in Africa, you know, and I was in line, and uh, the line wasn't moving fast enough, so we got concertina in there. But yeah, man, I want to smell like the kingdom. But to do that, to grow in that, to be closer and closer to Jesus, we need to continually go back to the main and the plain. Okay? What's the main and the plain? Well, you know, we are members of his church, his bride. We exist for his glory and his mission. And so he wants us to be close to him. You know, keeping the center requires that we direct and cultivate our hunger. What are you hungry for? You know, human beings are hungry for many things. Uh, and in their pursuit of purpose and contentment, you know, money, power, intimacy, and all the sins that come with those things when we distort them, that's what people are hungry for. They're pursuing these things because they want to feel that contentment. They want to feel life. And so we are called to remember the main and plain that our hunger can only be satisfied by right relationship with our Creator, by being in close relationship with our Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. And so we need to cultivate a hunger and a practice for the presence of God. That's what I was praying about in the car yesterday. I just felt that hunger in me again. I was like, God, I want to be closer to you. I'm not satisfied with with the bit that I had, you know, I get glimpses of it now and again. I'm like moments in prayer and worship where I'm like, oh, I feel so close to God right now, it's great. And then there's other moments when I'm like, oh, I feel so far from God. And the hunger begins to come. And I want to cultivate that hunger. I want to be close to God. I want to be transformed into this new creation that Jesus invites me into. And it's in that place of relationship in God's presence that we find peace, that we find purpose that we find fulfillment it's that main and plan of always putting jesus at the center coming back and making him the most important thing realizing that as i live this life out as i try and live a person be a person of faith that jesus is at the center of everything of my life and i am not this is the struggle for every Christian, for every follower of Jesus, right? Because what we do is we're like, I'm going to give everything to you, Jesus. Just as you go into the center of my life, Jesus, just put me there too and kind of make everything revolve around me, please. Thank you. Awesome. You're a good God. Fantastic. You know, that's kind of what we're really hoping for. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you're a better person than I am. I don't know. But most of us, that's how we live our lives. We try and get, we try and like, yeah, Jesus, you're awesome. Then we shuffle into the center, try and make it all about us again. And then we have to move away and make Jesus the most important thing. The sooner or later we grasp this and live it out, the sooner we begin to access and live in that fullness of God. Selfishness is our enemy. It always has been, always will be. Selfishness is what leads us to sin, what leads us to pride, what leads us to being bad Christians. It's that, it's that root. It's the root of all sin is selfishness. We have to overcome that. We have to kind of grasp this truth that God loves and is all about me. He really is. But it, you know, the exist, everything, you, I don't even know what it is, but it is not all about me. God loves you and is all about you. You are the apple 
of his eye. But it, the grand it, the meaning of life and all that kind of stuff, is not all about you. It's about him. It's about his love for all creation. And it's about his mission to redeem this third rock from the sun and to bring it into new life. And he invites us into that thing. And as we press into that, we begin to realize that, yeah, we are important. God loves us so much that he's willing to suffer for us. And so he calls us to love him so much that we're willing to partner in that suffering with him to rescue others. We're like that boy sent to the store that is the world. And the presence of God in us is the currency that cannot be lost, which captures people out of that store and brings them home to the Father. And so that's the currency we need in us as we live out the Christian life. And we've got to continue to go back to Jesus so we don't drop it along the way and begin to do everything out of our own strength. We need that presence of God in our life. We need to continually be connecting with Jesus and growing and, and learning to put him at, at the center of everything that we are. And as we begin to do that and learn to be less selfish and let him begin to rule our lives, begin to give him permission to tell us what to do, we find that the payoff is amazing. We get that peace. We get that shalom. We get that fullness of life that we were chasing after all along and that everybody else is chasing after. And as the fragrance of the kingdom begins to grow in your life, they begin to see that fullness of life in you and then they want it. And that's when you get the opportunity to start talking about what Jesus is doing in your life once they see what he's doing in your life. And so we're a sent people, but we've got to remain centered in Jesus. We've got to make it all about him. And as we do that, we invite his presence into our life, that change agent to come and reform us into all that he's called us to be. And we begin to arrive back home with what he sent us out to do. Uh, why don't you stand with me? Jane, you want to come on back up? Do you need more of God's presence in your life today? Do you Have you taken your foot off the pedal? Are you not really hungry for God? Are you kind of stepping back and kind of forgetting that Jesus is at the center? I don't know how it works for you. Do you just feel a little bit far from Jesus today? You just want to draw nearer? Oh, this is your opportunity. Those of you who have been to the vineyard, know the vineyard, you just know that this is our time of response, ministry time, and so... I just want to invite you wherever you are to, 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 welcome, to welcome God into your life, to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Maybe what I'm talking about today isn't where you're at. Maybe you've got other things going on that you need God to speak to you about. And just in this next five minutes, you're invited to do that. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you rest in this room right now? Would you draw near to each one of us? You know us. You know what we need. You know where we're weak. We pray for your healing power in the room, for those things that we're struggling with. We pray for your revelation, for the guidance that we need. Lord, would you come? Come in your renewing power.